Welcome to Geek Salad, a podcast about two guys talking about their passion for anything geek, from the digital world to the not-so-digital world. Now here are your hosts, Randy and Jay A. LaRock. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Geek Salad. I am your host, Randy the Mischievous Meeple, and with me as always is the OG gamer, Mr. Jay A. LaRock. What's up, brother? What's up, what's up? How's it going, everybody? So, I know it's been a while, but uh, we've had a lot of interesting things happen in real life that have brought us to this point, uh, a.k.a. me getting a sinus infection, which was horrible, (laughs) and we couldn't do our show last week. While on your vacation. While on my vacation, which would have been funny now that I sit there and I think about it. Like, it would have been hilarious to see how far we could have gotten into recording the shows. Before I would have just like been sitting there talking and literally just sat there just going <laughs> right on the desk. They just see you slowly dying like you have a dot <laughs> on you from an MMO. <laughs> I was just sitting there just like, all right, so today we're going to talk about <laughs> just hear the slam, the thud of the desk. Um, but um, I, I really did want to do a show last week because uh, one of the biggest things I'm going to go into today is we had Gen Con happen. Uh, this past, I think it was like a week or two weeks ago. I want to say it was last week. Uh, or no, it was two weeks ago because it happened right before I went on vacation. Um, and as we know, or many of you don't know, uh, Gen Con is the biggest board game convention that we have here in the United States. It is only second to Essen, which is the biggest lar- uh, board game convention, uh, which is held in Essen, Germany. So what's interesting is, of course, really big board game convention, just like E3 is. Uh, to video games, you have a lot of new games that come out. Um, we're going to link a, a really good article that Ars Technica put out on the hottest games that came out this year at uh, Gen Con. And I wanted to kind of like talk about a couple of ones that I saw there that looked really, really interesting. Um, number one for me has got to be the Fantasy Flight um, showed off, demoed, and talked about they are coming out with a Fallout board game. Yeah, it now, looks awesome. It looks really, really interesting, and I like how they... Um, I saw like a demo of people playing this. I like how they actually made it where like you have your little your group of survivors or your survivor, and the whole map is essentially hexes that are flipped over and you don't know what's out there. And then as you go exploring, you start flipping them over and stuff like that. And they did a really good uh, a job of kind of like converting over of like you don't know what you're going to run into. Just like when you're playing like Fallout 4 or something like that. Like you can go into a town and all of a sudden you run into a group of super mutants or whatever. Like they did a really, really good job of converting that over into a board game. Um, kind of like what I think they did with um, if anybody's seen a demo of what we spoke of last time, the um, what's his name, the Dark Souls board game, the one with the miniatures in it, man, I had a friend of mine that played that. He's like, yo, if you want to talk about a board game that is just pure frustration, but it'll make you keep wanting to play it, it's just like the Dark Souls video game, which I find funny because I've played Dark Souls and I like Dark Souls. But you, that is the most stressful freaking video game I've ever played. Because <laughs> you'll sit there and you'll start going, I'm like, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And then you do that one little mistake that you like don't roll out far enough and you hit a rock or something and then boom, you're dead. <laughs> That's it. And you have to start all the way at the beginning. 
it's funny. I really didn't think that I could get excited or like really into a board game that much. And because it's been a long time before I started playing board games again a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I played uh, one called Betrayal on mm-hmm. House on the Hill. And mm-hmm. it's just great. It's kind of like that where you put the tiles down, you're in this haunted house, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go upstairs. Oh, there's a pentagram in here. And then you roll to see what kind of omen it is and stuff like that. And it was like exciting. Like you're, you feel like you're walking through this house that has basements and all that. And then in the end, someone turns into either a demon or something and they have a task and you're trying to stop them from doing the task. It's really mm-hmm. great. So I can see where Fallout can bring something like that where you're out in the wasteland and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? What am I going to run into? Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny that. Um, you mentioned uh, Betrayal of House on the Hill, so I picked that up um, like a couple months ago and finally sat down and played it with one of my friends. And the thing that I really like about the game is like it literally starts off as a cooperative game and then it turns into a everybody versus one. And it was so funny because, like you say, like you know, you find an omen, you flip a towel, there's an omen, you roll these dice, and if you roll more pips than they are omens, the game keeps going. And then when you don't roll enough, that's when the haunting happens. And I love the little flavor that they put into the game where depending on the item that that just got flipped over, and then you look at the book and it tells you the person with this highest stat is the person that's the betrayer. I thought yeah. it was phenomenal. And it was funny because when we played, my wife and I played with a couple of friends of ours, and my wife ended up being the betrayer. And it was so funny because she was her character was like the little kid. So it was like this little kid that was possessed by a demon that could summon these fire bats. And we had to like kill her essentially to, to escape. It was so freaking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the next one that I will say that, so another one that was really surprising, and I had heard about this earlier, is Fantasy Fight releasing the Legend of the Five Rings um, LCG. So Legend of the Five Rings used to be a collectible card game in lieu of kind of like the Magic the Gathering. But just like Magic the Gathering, you had a big problem and it never really took off because it was the typical, you had to sink so much money into it to, mm. to kind of build a decent deck to play. Um, I think Fantasy Flat has been doing a really, really, really good job at bringing back these old CCGs as LCGs, where essentially everything you need to play in the play the game is in the box. So you have all the cards for the set. Um, and it really, like, I, the first one of theirs that I've gotten was Netrunner, which, phenomenal game. Phenomenal game, and it's a shame that it didn't get the legs that Magic the Gathering got back in the day. But I can understand why it didn't get the legs that Magic the Gathering got. Because especially if you look at the old um, CCG card art, nowhere in comparison to Magic the Gathering. Like, Magic the Gathering had way better card art on it, number one. And number two, like, Magic the Gathering, you could buy a starter set and play. And you could sit there and putz around and get a couple of expansion packs and fix one deck. The way that I saw how... um, this thing Netrunner did is you didn't essentially get like a whole deck in a starter set. So you had to right off the get go start buying expansion packs or booster packs and hope that you could get a deck together. 
So I think that was a thing that kind of like drove them down a bit, which wouldn't have uh, may have helped them um, not get as much legs on that, which is a shame. Um, but now the one that I will say um, that I saw here and I had heard about, and I'm like, oh, yes, they actually have a board game called The Thing Infection at Outpost 31. And it is what you think it is. It is a board game, one of several. There have been a couple of them um, that are coming out based on the thing. And what's interesting is um, this one is based off of the John Carpenter movie. The other one that I saw that was on Kickstarter is actually based off of the original novel that the movie is based off of. Mm. So it essentially plays the same way. What's neat about this one is it kind of plays in the essence of kind of like how um, Dead of Winter um, works in Dark Moon, where one person will be infected, and then their job is to try and infect and kill all the other people. Um, and of course, the good people are trying to get to the way for the you know get to where the helipad is and get out. While uh, and actually, I think also not only are, as the thing are you trying to infect everybody and kill everybody, or but your other goal is to try and get on the helipad as well and get out, because if you do get off of the station, you can essentially infect the rest of the world, which I will say is an amazing theme for this. Um, and the thing that really is interesting about this is. The fact that it's like you'll know what you are, you won't know what everybody else is if they're infected or not. And I think that was one of those things that made Dead of Winter really good was you could have a betray uh, uh, a betrayer, but you couldn't. And it was the whole, all right, why is this person doing this yeah. instead of that? Um, was really interesting. I used to have uh, we played Battlestar Galactica. And mm -hmm. I would always play Baltar. And I remember one time, I was not the Cylon, but I still ended up spacing one of the people just because I could. And they were so mad at me. Mm -hmm. I just love games where you can be, uh, you have the betrayer aspect. Oh, dude. It, it was funny because <coughs> one of the times that we played Dead of Winter, and it was hilarious because it was towards the tail end of the night, so everybody had already been drinking a bit. And we start a round of, of Dead of Winter. And we deal out who's, who's you know, if you're loyal or you're a betrayer. And, of course, I look up to my card, and right away I'm the fucking betrayer. I'm like, of course I'd be the betrayer. <laughs> so I'm, like, trying to do my stuff. And I'm, like, doing this, doing that, and blah, blah, blah. And right away, my good friend just sits and like, Randy's the betrayer. And I'm like, what gives you that? He's like, you're, 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 you're a little sneaky. And you look at the type that you would be a betrayer. I'm like, what the fuck? You're a little sneaky. I'm like sitting there going, what the hell? I'm like, really? I'm like, who's to say that you're not the betrayer? And you're trying to get me ousted and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And bro, everybody else wasn't having it. They were like, yeah, we're voting that you're going to get, you're the betrayer. We're kicking you out. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> It was so funny that like, that game really did did make you uh, um, like question like you know is this person like cool are they not you know um, 
The other game that seems very, very interesting here, I mean, I will um, I'll probably want to check out some gameplay of it, which I haven't, they didn't have, was the Quest for El Dorado. Um, and the reason why it's one of those games that is on my list, it was a nominee for the Spiel des Jahres. So that is essentially um, the German awards that they give for uh, strategy games. They have like an advanced strategy game, a strategy game, and then like a kid's uh, game. And it's interesting, this was nominated in Germany. This is the first English version of the game that's come out. Uh, that looks really, really interesting, and, and I want to check that out as well. Um, but other than that, like, there, there wasn't a, a lot of other stuff that, you know, got me, got me going. Now, the one thing that I will say that was interesting... Um, and as soon as I heard about it, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, was that Fantasy Flight finally announced to the chagrin of a bunch of people, and it's been oh, over 10 years since the last time, but they are coming out with Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Now, two things that are funny about this is, A, they say like, oh, we've streamlined some stuff. And B, they actually updated the actual time to play on the back of the box because before I think they said it was like 30 to 90 minutes. I think they said like 30 to 90 minutes per per person playing. And now it is on the back of the box a four to eight hour game, which I believe that and from friends of mine that have played the game say that, yes, that's more. That is more on par of what it will actually take you to play a game of Twilight Imperium. And this is a game that, to me, has been intriguing because it is, it is considered the granddaddy of the 4X board games. Um, and the thing that's interesting about that is they say, like, you know, the thing about that game is, like, you need a big table to play this because it is just a big game. Um, it is essentially you create a map with hex tiles, you pick an alien race, you start on your home planet, and that's how the game goes. And what makes it interesting is you have to go and explore out. You have to land on planets. You have to collect resources. But on top of that, you can actually build up an army. You can build up diplomacy. You can build up resources. You can do different things. And when it comes to getting to a planet where there's an enemy on it, I, I've heard I haven't played it, when you go to resolve who gains control of the planet or not, you can you actually have like special abilities and special cards that you can say, okay, we're going to resolve this based on military or diplomacy or money or stuff like that. So you can have a character, a player that I've, I had a, a good friend of mine that he said they were playing and one of the guys picked the alien race who already starts off as like the militaristic alien. And he was like his first time, he's like, I'm putting all the eggs in the basket of military. And he amassed this huge army. And he was just going like to the point that other people were like, okay, we got to form an alliance to fight back against him because he's just like literally wiping out the whole the whole uh, galaxy as he's going through. And they got to this like one pivotal point of this one planet that if he would have got it, they were like, this is it. This is going to be game over. And the one guy that controlled the, the alien race that was more of a diplomatic one, he's like, all right, we're, we're going to use the ability. We're going to solve everything by diplomacy. This dude had built up this huge army and had zero diplomacy. So he was just like looking around. He was just like, damn it, because he literally realized that like, he was screwed. He could not win that fight. 
And it was so funny. He says, like, that was so funny to see him go through all this thing of building up all these resources. And then all of a sudden, just, <laughs> just like, lost steam. But that, like, right there um, is a game that, like, it's it's – I can't wait to see, you know, to see that out on a table and play that, give that a shot. Spend a whole weekend, as they say, playing that game. <laughs> nice. Man, there's, that a, there's a lot at that place. Holy cow. I was just looking at everything. I was like, what? The, oh, a Gen Con? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's 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 insane. Like it's gotten to the point that this year, so they they normally do Gen Con at the Indianapolis Convention Center. And attached to the convention center, there's a tunnel that goes over and they have a stadium. So last year, it was so busy in the Indianapolis Convention Center. They were like, we got to figure out because this thing is getting bigger and bigger. And we got to figure out what we're going to do. And this year, they literally took all the Magic the Gathering and miniatures stuff and put it in the stadium and then did the convention center just for boarding. And they also, I think, I, I, I don't think they, they, they I, I'm, I'm staying corrected. They didn't put the, the Magic the Gathering. They put all the gaming stuff so if you wanted to sit and play and the tournaments they did it in the stadium so they said like they freed up enough space and they said even with freeing enough space it was a bit easier to get around but they could say like yep this is going to be quick where they're going to run out of space again and they were they were talking about how like they showed i saw pictures and all that of like the the gameplay area dude the gameplay area they have their library set up it is literally like as big as a public library of shelves of just games and games and games and games. And you go up and you say like, I want to play such and such game. And they literally check it out to you and you go and you sit and play and then you come back. Like it's insane and how big Gen Con gets. Mm. Yeah. It's insane. Like I got to go to one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm at the point of like, I would love to go to a Gen Con, but honestly, like I am, I'm honestly thinking of doing what they call Origins, which is the, the convention right before Gen Con. And they say that one's starting to get a bit bigger, but it's like it's it's the one that a lot of people that have gone to both Origins and Gen Con say, like if you want to go to a convention where you want to be able to like sit down and actually demo some of the games and play games, like Origins is the one to go to. They're like literally e Gen Con is the E three of it. Like you're gonna be going around just to like go around and see stuff and all that, and not necessarily get a chance to actually play. But the the, the kind of like sad thing is like they're slowly but surely, um, they're slowly but uh, surely putting um, like uh, they're making it with Origins where like it's getting bigger and bigger. And the, the big problem that, that happens nowadays is a lot of the uh, board game manufacturers will hold off their big releases for Gen Con, but they're now kind of like starting to spread them out a little bit more. So that's the only thing that people say about going to Origins as opposed to Gen Con. It's like, yeah, you'll go and there'll be some releases there, but not as many as if you go to Gen Con itself. So Gen Con's on my wish list to go to, but we'll see. Hmm. We'll see what we what we we kind of like do in that whole thing. Now it's funny because I upgraded my phone. I used to have the uh, Galaxy Grand Prime, which is the low cost version of that <laughs> series. 
It came with eight gigabytes of RAM, four of which is used up by the operating system, <laughs> which I should have realized that, but I didn't, and that's my fault. So, of course, I could only put basically regular apps on it. I, and, yes, I know you can move some apps over to your storage drive, but so many of them don't work if you do that. Mm-hmm. And, they don't, and some just don't let you. So I ran out of space, and it, it was just terrible. I upgraded to the Galaxy 8 S8. And it's, it's such a beautiful phone. But what has yeah. happened is now I've become the uh, phone gamer guy. I've been playing like so many games. And I'm really surprised because I, I look at these games and you see the pictures. You're like, wow, that looks good. But man, when you actually play it in, in an experience on your phone and you're like, man, these graphics. I mean, I remember playing Atari and NES and to just see like what you can get on a phone, it's it's incredible. There's stuff that's that looks better than some of my friends' computers on on my phone. I would have just said if you want to play a, a good addicting game on mobile, uh, Marvel's Future Fight is insane. Just be careful. That's all I'm gonna say. Be careful. But beyond that, a game that uh, a friend of mine, Liz, uh, showed me is West of Loathing, and that was really fun. I never thought that a stick figure game could be that fun. But then again, I remember there was like a karate stick figure game that I saw on Steam that was awesome too. Uh, this game is based in the world uh, Kingdom of Loathing, which was uh, an online browser game. You can actually still go to the, the site and we'll put the links up and you can play as like really, it's interesting like characters. Like they won't call them something like um, mage or something. For instance, in Kingdom of Loathing, they have like Seal Clubber, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it'll tell you that the play style is Seal Clubbers hit things with sticks until they start moving. So you can understand that that's probably like a, a, a brawler. And they have like Turtle Tamer and they fight with the aids of, uh, of animals. So that could be like uh, the Beastmaster in some games or the, uh, you know, like sometimes, well, maybe not Ranger, but sometimes they kind of play around with that. But it's like a pet class. And then they have what they call uh, a pasta mancer. <laughs> and they control. So it's really cool. And the world is stick figured, but it's fun to play in. So in this version, it's in the Wild Wild West. And what's really cool is when you battle, it's kind of like almost that side to side Final Fantasy turn, you know, turn based fighting. And the humor, the story, everything in it is great. It's on Steam for ten ninety nine, and when you're playing it, the humor is really good. It's that kind of humor that you would uh, would see like on, a, um, you know, like Cracked or something like that. You know, it's like a little bit more adult. You know, nothing offensive or anything like that, but a little bit more uh, adult humor. There's all types of things that you can find: gadgets, uh, weapons. Uh, you, you put your class together. There's tons of quests. You have like your main quest. You have side quests. You're exploring this Western world. It's like a stick figure Red Dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption, but just not as serious. And I, I, I started playing it. I'm only maybe like 25% through. Um, it has a lot, a lot of people that give it overwhelmingly positive reviews on on Steam. Hmm. And you know, you go around and maybe one of the quests will be something like, oh, you have to find this band of robbers who robbed this uh, group, like a camper or something. So instead of it being like regular bandits, 
it'll be like a bandit of clowns. <laughs> and you'll go up to these clowns and it'll give you an option. It'll say something like, talk to them, accuse them, <laughs> immediately fight them. And it's funny because just like in a lot of these games where you have choices, there's different skills that you can get. And most of these skills you get by finding books. And it's really funny because whenever you find a book and you learn a skill, they come up with like a crazy reason of like why you lost it. Like one was like you find a magazine that teaches you how to improve uh, making poisons because one of the classes is you're like a poison maker and, and you use snake. It's like snake venom salesman. And you have a, a briefcase full of snakes and you can make either a poison that you can throw on enemies or you can make a healing potion and you can throw out snakes at people, use a snake whip you have a snake pet. I mean, it's great. So like one of the books improves one of those things. But when you read it and you're done, it'll say, oh, while you were eating your soup, it fell into your soup and, and it got destroyed. And it's, it's just every time you find something like that. And one of the crazy things I thought was great, <laughs> when you go into like almost, there's a couple of main towns and they'll have an inn inside. And in the inn is where you get a lot of the quests, a lot, a lot of your main overall quests are from. And they have spittoons in there. There's always something in the spittoon, but when you're getting into it, it'll tell you like, wait, are you sure you want to put this hand, your hand in this? Yeah, and they'll describe in detail how nasty it is. And you'll it's even funny. get like a buff. But like I said, the items that you get from a weapon to a necklace or a thing like that will end up being you know, a pretty good item. So <laughs> as I said, I haven't finished it yet, um, but the game is is really, really fun. There's... Uh, one of the big things in the game, like I said, how they have killer clowns. They also have demonically um, possessed cows. <laughs> so it's like instead of having like, you know, a regular enemy, it's cows and you're fighting these cows that are uh, possessed by demons. And sometimes, you know, you'll find things in the West that has nothing to do with the West, at least normally. Like you'll go somewhere and there'll be like a pentagram and there'll be ghosts and there'll be skeletons. So it's not just fighting your standard Western bad guys. There's like so much in it. And it's like I said, it's long. I've been playing probably like game hour wise, maybe like eight hour game hour wise. And I'm only a quarter of the way through. So it's a game to check out. You see the gameplay. And as I get more into it and learn more about the quest, and especially when I get to the end, then I'll be able to give more on it. But, I mean, 1099, it's a really good game. If you like these kind of, like, rpg games and this has, like, a nice different twist on it, go pick up Fear of Lo- uh, West of Loathing. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Because I heard that it was a... I've heard that's a really... Like, it looks really, really interesting. I've seen it before, and I was like, huh... That's kind of interesting that like they have this game and blah blah blah, and um, it did look really neat how they like you look at it and it's like oh it's stick figures and you think like it's garbage and yeah. then you start playing and there's like there's games that I'm trying to remember what the heck was the name of it there was one oh um, I remember when they came out with the Wasteland Two. Wasteland 2 had that old, like, Fallout-style kind of, like, graphics and all that. And, like, you sit there and you look at it and you're like, yeah, it doesn't look all that great and all that. But you start playing the game and it's like, man, this is a really good game, you know? And it's that's that's the one of the things that I love about 
you know, gaming in general is like you don't necessarily have to go with like the most popular game or the most popular board game or best graphics or best art or whatever. It all comes down to like the mechanics of the game. And that's one of those things like as long as you've got great mechanics in a game, it doesn't matter what it looks like, like it's going to be good, you know. And that seemed like looking at that and hearing about it and all that, like it did intrigue me how it actually played itself. And I've heard like, yeah, it's a it's a really, really, really good game disguised as this like really crappy looking game. Yeah, and it's stick figure, but they actually put like design into it. So it's supposed oh. to look like someone drew it. But like think about South Park, you know, it's like it has that graphic, but it's supposed to be like that. So it's done well. Right. So when you're playing it, yes, it's a stick figure, but you don't feel like, oh my god, this is you know really terrible graphics. No, it is it's definitely not like that when you play. <laughs> and and the currency is meat, which is just great. I just love the <laughs> idea of like here, here is meat. <laughs> I, I will say that the the I remember the um, the original one. What was it? The name of the kingdom of. Uh... Is it Kingdom Hollow? Yeah. yeah. I remember that, like the Snake Charmer. And like, yeah, that, that was one of the things that when I heard about that, I'm like, what? And one of my friends explained it to me. And I was like, that sounds hilarious that like you can, you have these classes like that. Um, it almost reminds me, oh, it's this game, I believe it's called Dungeons of Dreadmore, where it's like that, where it'll make these like really weird names for the classes. So it's like you could be a necromancer or you can be like, you know, these different ones that are like you listen to it. You're like, how does that make? And then you realize what your power are. and You're like, OK, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to think like some of the let me look it up here because I have the game and it shows like different names of uh of some of the characters that you play as. But it's like a similar thing, like. Yeah, you pick so you pick your skills and then based on that it'll name your class so you can pick like archery or astrology or other different things and then like it'll give you your name for your character like you're a level one like blah 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 <laughs> it's so hilarious like the way that they made it but it's like but when you sit there and you look at the game itself like it doesn't have the best graphics but mechanic wise it is hilariously great I'm trying to remember what's the name. Let me see. Yeah, and the way that they do it is they make it where you, um, like everything's frozen, and then as you take a step, then everything moves one square. So it's like it's like one of those like uh, RTSs, like not a, a, a RTS, but a like a turn-based RTS. Which is funny. So it lets you like plan out your moves and stuff. It's so funny. Yeah, uh, I, I, the battle system is simple, but it's fun, and you can't just run around uh, killing people or, or, you know, owning the game in the beginning either. Like if you go to some towns and you fight some people, and you'll find out that you know these people are really strong, <laughs> and so you have to level up. You have to learn how to fight certain things because you can even pick like a companion. There's a couple of companions in the game that you can choose from. And they do different things for you and have different abilities. So all in all, it's 
it's it's really interesting, and I'm really surprised like how much how rich the game was. That's what surprised me the most. Yeah, um, and <laughs> and I will say this um, now that and looking forward on 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 this, I would say definitely you guys check out this West of Loathing because it does sound like a fun game. It's um, switching gears here. I. I Kind of want to add in, because you licked these, and it was hilarious. I couldn't let it out. The WTF moment of the show. Um, the two little links that you gave me here. Number one, GameStop selling, after 11 years, Sneak King, which was sold by Burger King for $3.99. They have it on sale for $4.99. So it's actually more expensive than when you could buy it initially when it came out, which is hilarious. It's a Reddit link there. Uh, some of the responses are hilarious because people are like, yeah, well, with inflation, it should be around that. And somebody actually calculated it out and said, no, it's not that far off, but it is more. Because for three ninety nine in 2006, it roughly equals $4.81 now. <laughs> so, so it's inflation. <laughs> so the fact that somebody actually calculated out the inflation, what it would cost, is funny. Um, I really want to know how well they sold back then like because i mean i remember going into a burger king and they had it like on the counter and i'm like it kind of reminded me of of the nes days where anywhere you went you would find some kind of uh accessory for nes and that was what was funny is like i remember like the the thing that was funny is they came out with that and everybody thought it was a joke like who the heck is gonna buy this and blah 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 what was really really funny was People that actually bought the game and played it, they were like, dude, especially that one, Sneaking, they were like, it is a really good game. When you sit there and you watch video of the game, it is the dumbest premise whatsoever. Where you essentially play the king from Burger King and you have to sneak up on people and surprise them with a whopper. That is literally the game. But it is so cheesy, but like... People that played it said, like, when you sit there and you look at how they did the stealth mechanics in the game, it's actually a pretty good game, you know? So it was, like, hilarious just to see that pop back up. The other thing that I will say that you made me laugh hysterically with is the other Reddit link where someone went to a local game store and saw a copy of Lufia 2 for the Super Nintendo in shrink wrap for $600, which is insane. I mean, I know that there's some retro collectibles that uh, fetch a nice price, but wow. Yeah, um, so funny that, like, and, and we were discussing this before. So there's this place not not far from where I live. It's about a 25-minute drive called Game Underground. Um, and they actually sell retro games and all that. And they'll give you money for if you trade in. They give you about half value of what they sell for new. You know, which is not bad. But they literally posted a video, and the guy's like, I've never seen somebody bring in something like this. Now, I had been there right after somebody brought in a huge, like, trade-in. And it was funny because the guy worked for a company up here called Savers, which is essentially almost like a, uh, a Goodwill, if you were. It's a second-hand store. He says, the guy worked at Savers. And he says, what ends up ha- what ended up happening is he's like, he's working. His boss tells him, hey, there's a bunch of stuff there that we can't resell. Just toss it. And he sits there and he goes and he grabs a stack of stuff and he picks it up and he's like, yo, this stuff was like really heavy. 
So he goes out to throw it out and starts tossing the things, and he realizes, like, all the weight is literally this one box. He's like, so, of course, the guy's like, what the hell is so heavy in here that they're having me toss out? He opens it up, and it was literally a top-loading Nintendo and something like 30 or 40 games for it. And in the 30 or 40 games for it was, like, Final Fantasy 2 or Final Fantasy it had like, and he had it like Super Nintendo and Nintendo. So he had like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy two, Final Fantasy three. He had like all these like really rare games, and then he's like, the guy literally just did one of those like, this is not going in the garbage, and he went right to his trunk and, went, and then took it to this place. They gave this guy like four hundred bucks for all of the stuff, but then the guy was like, I thought this was a big trade in, and then this woman came in, and he's like. It's blowing my mind what this woman is trading in. So the story was, is this woman, back in the day, would buy this stuff for her kids. And the kids really, like, they, some of them were kind of into video games. And then other ones, as they grew up, they kind of, like, got out of it. But she would still buy the games. because she was like, oh, it's something for them to play. They want she was like, yeah, a lot of this stuff, we ended up just putting it in the closet. And it sat there. And I was just cleaning out the house. And I was hoping to get like a hundred bucks for it. This woman literally walked out of the store with a thousand dollars cash in hand. Now, mind you, they give wow. you less money. They give you less money if you take cash. But to give you an idea of what this woman traded in, this woman brought in a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, and an N64. No problem. People trade that shit in all the time. It is literally what she traded in with these. That blew these guys away. She literally bought Final Fantasy 1 in the box with the instruction manuals, the map fully complete. It was open. She traded in for Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy 2, and Final Fantasy 3 sealed in the box. Oh, man. She traded in Super Metroid sealed in the box. She traded in, like, um, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask sealed in the box. And, like, this guy's like, I've seen people trade these games in, but literally just a cartridge, maybe in the box, never sealed in the box. Like, this guy had so many games that were sealed in a box that he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know where this woman came from. And let me see if I can, hold on, if I can find the... It is insane. Like, I'll, I'll literally go over, because in the video, he, he put a, a video. It's like a good seven-minute long video or so. And I was just like, I cannot believe. Yeah, it's a six-minute and 50-second uh, video. So he starts going in. Like, let me see. <laughs> so he starts going over the crappy stuff. Yeah, like Dr. Mario, stuff like that. So here. Oh, yeah, she had um, like Final Fantasy VII sealed in the box. The Legend of Zelda on the Game Boy sealed in a box. Oh, man. Uh, Final Fantasy, yeah, Final Fantasy II complete in the box. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII, eight and nine sealed in the box. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest sealed in a box. Holy cow. Uh, let me see. Yeah. 
she yeah is it lufia in the box sealed uh let me see what else does she have yeah illusion of gaia in the box sealed uh let's see yeah zelda link to the past sealed in the box she had like dragon warrior dragon warrior 2 sealed in the box Let me see. I'm like looking at the video, like, yeah, Super Metroid in the box. Like, it is insane. Like, yeah, it's, and it was just like, yeah, yeah, she had Zelda and Zelda 2 for the Nintendo. In the box, complete. Oh, man. You know? Uh, yeah, Dragon Warrior. Like, the guy the guy was, like, blown away at what this woman was trading in. And I was like, I'm watching this video going, are you kidding me? Yeah. He, she had a Majora's Mask factory sealed that she traded in. But it was like, yeah, and he was like, and he's literally looking at this Majora's Mask going, I don't know how much we're going to sell this for. He's like, because I want to get it graded. And he's like, I know that there was a graded one sold on eBay for like $680. And I was like, that's insane, dude. <laughs> and he gave this woman $1,000. And she had Lufia too as well. Like it was insane. Yeah, they had Final Fantasy Adventure, Final Fantasy Legend, Legend 2, and Legend 3 for the Game Boy sealed in the box. Like those are games you don't freaking see people trade in. Like it was insane. That that is and I went there, and, and like it's funny because like I went there a little while ago, and like literally almost everything's already gone. But like he still has the Super Metroid sealed in the box. But I can imagine like he probably, if he did get that, I don't know if he got that Ocarina graded or not. But if he did, I guarantee you he probably sold that thing for six hundred dollars easily. Like that's insane. But yeah. Ooh, there's some games out there, boy. That's right. Yeah. Now, I have a new segment that I like to add to this salad. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have a salad name, but it's mm. only because it's based off of something that Obsolete Gamer started out with. Now, Obsolete Gamer started out as a retro gaming site, and we still love retro gaming, but it expanded more to interviews, talking with gamers, Famous, non-famous developers, programmers, uh, publishing houses, everything. We're calling so, it the crouton. That's right. <laughs> One of the things that we wanted to do is get people excited about the site, you know, bring prestige to the site, something like that. So what we did is we realized that you can't just start a website and then message somebody, no matter who they are, whether it's a game developer or a celebrity gamer and say, hey, do you want to do this You know, half-hour interview? Like They're going to be like, yeah, didn't your website just get built like a day ago? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. So what we came up with was called Gamer Profiles. 
So gamer profiles, it was very simple. We just asked two questions. We asked what your favorite game is or classic game, what's your favorite classic game and why is it your favorite? And we just started emailing people that we wanted to hear from. And I wasn't sure exactly how it would work out, but I was pleasantly surprised because we got a lot of responses. First, of course, from companies, you know, it's always good to have PR like that. But then we started reaching out to different people and we've had all type of people from baseball players to comedians, celebrities, all types of stuff. So we want to keep that going because even though we love to have uh, interviews with people live on YouTube, we still like to just find out, hey, what's the favorite game that you like? So we were honored to get one from the creator, the founder of Twin Galaxies, Walter Day. Uh, and it's funny because out of all the classic games, you know, I was just I was really excited because I was like, man, someone who was there with all these classic games, all these iconic retro gamers, what it would be his favorite game. And his favorite game was Make Tracks. And man, it threw me off because the, I, I never played that game. Basically, <laughs> Make Tracks uh, in Japan is known as Crush Roller. It's a 1981 arcade game. And it's basically like, kind of like, a, like a, a game where you're like driving around in your car and it's the board is kind of like almost like not quite a Patman board, but in that same like grids. And then you could drive around and you're basically making tracks with, with your, with your car. And he has one of the world records in it. So that's one of the reasons why he likes it. So I just thought that that was really cool. And we have the gameplay from uh, make, make tracks that you can see, but as we get more gamer profiles, you know, we're going to let you guys know the different people that has answered them. And if you want to look at them, you can go to our website, which is obsoletegamer.com. And you'll see in the upper right, there's the drop down menu and you can sort gamer profiles by different people. Like there's pro gamers, companies, uh, celebrity gamers, and then notable gamers. So we really appreciate getting those types of responses from people. And we've been blessed to have like over 150 now, I think, gamer profiles. So that's pretty cool. Something that I just did as a, as a guess, as a hope, turned into something really great. So we cool. wanted to add that to our segment here at Geek Salad. Good, good old Walter Day. Yeah. tell you that it's interesting, like watching the um, the documentary, like the King of Kong and all that, and like seeing how like all those guys. Like back in the day, like when Walter Day started Twin Galaxies and did all that stuff and then was like, hey, why don't we make like a Guinness record for video game scores? And all like he was the one that started all that. It's it's amazing to see how that whole thing went. And it was interesting because I remember in watching that, like seeing all these like uh like the part, the segment where they showed him like at his house and seeing him receive all these submissions from people saying like, Hey, I beat this score. I beat that score. And like, he's like, I have to literally sit through and look at all this stuff and it's taken me a while. And I'm like, dude, you're doing it by yourself, bro. You gotta sit there and like, you gotta hand this stuff out. Cause that's, that's gotta be tough. Like, cause you figure how many people try and go after these like awards and stuff. And then like, all right, I have proof of it. Let me send it to him. And, and the like, thing is, man. is seeing when they're doing it uh, <coughs> for like those, like the marathons, 
you know, like whether yeah. it's either a length of time or you're, like you said, going for a, a score record or something like that. You would think, oh, I've played games forever, but a lot of these guys, they were playing standing up. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll see like the bar stool or something, but trust me, sitting on a bar stool, when you get to that fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth hour is not fun. Your butt goes but, numb. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have to have the stamina and all that. And seeing some of the gaming documentaries um, about like how they've done it, you know, it's interesting the strategy because at, at some point you have to use the restroom or just take a break. So what will happen is in these games, you'll get so many lives that you'll be mm -hmm. like, okay, I know that I'll die once every whatever, 30 seconds or whatever. I can go to the bathroom. I have 99 lives. So they'll go to the bathroom, have something to drink, sit down for maybe five minutes, come back. They probably lost 30 lives or 40 lives, but the point isn't how many lives they lost. They're going for a score record or a marathon record. Right. So then they're able to continue on. So, I mean, just things like that and them talking about, like, how does it feel to be sitting there after a while? Like, you're there 10, 12 hours into it, and you're like, it's not as easy as it sounds. Like, people make it sound yeah. like it's, like, no problem, but it's it's challenging, and I admit I couldn't do that. Even when I was a kid, I don't think yeah. I could do that. Yeah, I, I also found, like, the the when these guys were going for these, like, scores – and they would do it in their garage. Like they literally had to verify the board that they're using is like a legitimate board and blah, blah, blah. Like, which is true. It's like, you know, if it isn't a legitimate board and it isn't done in a specific way, like you could technically cheat. And it was really, really interesting. Like, especially the King of Kong was really interesting. The back and forth of that, which is insane. And I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like, I know, what was it like? I remember seeing a thing about like the Pac-Man, like the people going for the Pac-Man thing that it's gotten to a point where they literally can't beat the record because the guy that did it did it perfectly so that he scored the most possible amount of points that you could ever score playing Pac-Man and getting it to the kill screen. And I'm like, that's insane where this guy like calculated everything out, like every move, you know? And it's 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 crazy, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a cool new segment. I like that. I have to keep doing that. Um, but yeah, it looks like we got we're gonna have to wrap up the show. Another one in the books. We're show number six, seven. I gotta six. double check because there's that one that I lost. <laughs> oh, that's right. You lost one. That's right. I remember that. So we'll we'll call this six with a question mark. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as always, guys, thank you guys for watching the show. We appreciate you guys, all your views. Click that thumbs up button and subscribe to our Obsolete Gamer Network where we will get plenty of shows for you guys. The more you guys ask for it, the more we'll provide it. Give us some work to do. We're already doing three shows, uh, which is crazy. It's getting to a point where, hey, it's taking up a good chunk of our weekends. Uh, but we love doing this for you guys. Um, and as always, I am Randy. This is my cohort, J.A. Peace. Peace.